Al Jazeera podcast. U.S. President Joe Biden has reaffirmed Washington's support for Israel a day after hundreds of Palestinians were killed in an Israeli strike on a hospital in Gaza. What's behind steadfast U.S. military and political backing for Israel? I'm Fully Batibo, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's meet our guests in Ramallah in the occupied West Bank. We're joined by Dalal Erikat, Assistant Professor of Conflicts Resolution and Diplomacy at the Arab American University. Dalal is also a columnist for Al-Quds newspaper. In Washington, D.C. is Khaled El-Gindi, Senior Fellow at the Middle East Institute and author of Blind Spot, America and the Palestinians from Balfour to Trump. And also in Washington, D.C., Phyllis Bennis, a fellow at the Institute for Policy Studies think tank and international advisor to the Jewish Voice for Peace organization. Uh, Phyllis, let me start with you in Washington to understand why we've seen a visit of support by President Biden uh, to Tel Aviv, to Israel, even after the massacre at the Al-Ali Baptist Hospital in Gaza, even at a time when the region is boiling why? Why is the U.S. so committed in supporting Israel today? That's a very long story, and we don't have time to go into the history, but I think the question today is the consequences of this visit. This bear hug diplomacy that we've seen so far means that unless there's a public call for a ceasefire, which I do not anticipate we will see, this visit is going to be seen and should be seen as a real endorsement of Israel's continuing attack against Gaza. There are likely to be vague references to uh, urging Israel not to violate international law or expressing some kind of concern for Palestinian civilians. But the reality is that the bombing is continuing. Gaza is still under assault and threatened with a, uh, a, a ground invasion. And in that context, the violations of international law are already underway. So what we're seeing here is, as much as anything else based on U.S. politics, Biden is proving once again his own pro-Israel credentials. And this notion of the, the extreme one-sidedness using the, mm. the language of teams is just an expression of that. This is not going to work unless there's a call for a ceasefire if he had any hope of seeing this as winning any level of support in the region yeah. or elsewhere. Uh, Khaled, your thoughts, an extraordinary show of support from the Biden administration at a time when the U.S. should be calling for restraint. And the key word restraint was missing from those comments in Tel Aviv. Restraint is something that previous administrations have used on uh, for calling for both sides uh, to, to exercise restraint in past escalations. Why has Biden not done this? Um, uh, the, uh, the, it's actually been quite shocking to me as a as an analyst who's followed this issue for for many years the absence of calls for a ceasefire the inability to articulate even an expression of uh, of basic human empathy for uh, for Palestinians uh in addition to um the 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 inability to uh, uh to to urge sort of create red lines uh, and and urge Israel to to show restraint. These are all things that had had previously been uh, fairly standard uh, uh, 
elements of, of U.S. policy in times of crisis. Um, even going back to the, the second uh, intifada during the height of the violence at a time when Hamas was blowing up uh, weddings and pizzerias, the U.S. officials, even the president at the time, was, was able to, uh, to identify um, uh, red lines uh, and mm -hmm. urge Israel to exercise restraint. We're not seeing any of that right now. And the, the danger, of course, uh, of giving Israel an effective green light right. is that we're likely to see more uh, more death and destruction. Why, why, why do you think we're not seeing that right now? Are domestic politics also at play here with the election coming up next year? It's domestic politics, sure, but it's also the, the person of Joe Biden. He's deeply, uh, personally, very committed uh, to Israel. Uh, he's expressed that many times, and, and I think it's sincere, and I, I don't believe that he's just pandering. Of mm. course, it, it doesn't hurt uh, in terms of uh, domestic politics. Um, uh, but but there 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 is a there's a real um, inability to to see not just Palestinians and their suffering, but even in terms of the long term consequences of this. I mean, if you look at this rationally, maybe too rationally, uh, and imagine well the, the 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 extraordinary pain and trauma that Palestinians are experiencing right now, and the anger that that will turn into. Uh, right. It's hard to see how anyone would imagine that this scale of, of death and destruction in Gaza would ever uh, bring anything like security mm. for Israel. So there's a kind of suspension even of the ability to, to reason right. uh, in the long term. Dalal, uh, let me get your thoughts on this. Why, why and what do you make of this unconditional U.S. support for Israel? We heard Biden say in Tel Aviv that he would continue to work with partners across the region. But do they want to work with him? Does Biden's embrace of Israel set him on a collision course with Arab leaders? Well, I think what we had just seen is another example of um, the U.S. shielding Israeli war crimes against the Palestinian people. Last night, everybody has watched a massacre against 500 Palestinian civilians, mostly children and women. The least we had expected from Mr. Biden today was a condemnation of the state organized terror by, by Israel. As, so, as long as the U.S. continues to reward the Israeli war crimes against the Palestinian people, the Israelis will continue with impunity, massacring the Palestinians. One more thing that we have to focus on today, the framing. Biden had tried to mislead the audiences in supporting the Israeli narrative by saying that this is friendly Palestinian fire. I want to remind you of Shirin Abu Akleh's murder. When they massacred Shirin Abu Akleh, they said they had evidence. It is friendly fire. We did not see any evidence. When they labeled six Palestinian uh, human rights organizations as terrorists, they said we have evidence. The Israelis always try to spin the realities. They want mm. to mislead the audiences. This is the message. The Palestinians in Gaza are being massacred, genocide, war crimes, forced displacements, and every Everything is documented. We are living 2023. The whole world is watching. Diplomacy had failed the Palestinian civilians in Gaza. 2.2 million Palestinians, 50% are children. 1 million children are deprived from water, medicine, food, electricity, while the international community is watching. The international community has an obligation under Article 146 of the Fourth Geneva Convention. They have to search for the criminals and hold them accountable right. in their crimes. The Palestinian civilians are entitled to protection under, under Article 
Article 49 of the Fort Geneva Convention. The right. UN has an obligation to enforce humanitarian aid to the Palestinians besides ceasefire and the protection of the civilians. Dalal, let me come back to my question. And, and you are right. The Americans have said that their national team would look into the explosion at the hospital, but it seems that President Biden has already made his mind up as to who is responsible. He said the other team in his words. Coming back to my question, Dalal, what about Arab leaders? We've seen them snub Biden, cancel the meeting that was scheduled in Jordan. Will this uh, uh, posturing and position by the U.S. leader put, the, put him in a collision course now with the Arab world? Listen, when I, when I remind the world leaders of their obligations under the First Geneva Conventions, the Arab leaders are also included. The Palestinians have gone into a 30 years peace process, a sugar-coated peace process. For 75 years, for God's sake, we have been suffering injustices, enduring the injustices under apartheid, extrajudicial killings, detentions, confiscations of lands, settlements, and settler terror, all under the package of a prolonged Israeli military occupation. We need to address the root causes of the reality that we are witnessing. Continued series of war crimes are being documented on every screen. It is time that every leader, every member state of the UN, needs to invoke Article 25. Mm. Every country is now obliged to act upon their words and the Security Council resolutions and the General Assembly resolutions by granting the Palestinians their rights. The Palestinian people have a right to self-determination, a right to defense, and a right to resistance. Okay. Yet, what we are seeing, what we are witnessing... Uh, hold on, hold on, please. This is a translation of the deal of the century in the Middle East. We are witnessing a change of the geopolitics map at the expense of the Palestinian blood. They are evicting the Palestinian people to the south, to Sinai, and then the scenario of the settler colonial project will continue to the West Bank in the hopes of eliminating the Palestinian cause. This war is not against Hamas. It's not against Gaza. It's against the Palestinian cause, against the Palestinian people. We have a right, and everybody should stand for their own obligations. Uh, Phyllis, uh, your thoughts about what uh, Dalal just said there uh, and, and the U.S. position, is it likely to ever shift, or are we going to continue to see this bipartisan policy towards uh, Israel in Washington, D.C.? For a long time, it's been the case. There was somewhat of a blip under the, uh, the Obama administration because he didn't have good relations with Netanyahu. But it seems that it doesn't matter who's in the White House, the policy stays the same. The policy has been consistent for many, many decades. The so-called special relationship between the U.S. and Israel that began around the time of the 1967 war began as a military relationship and morphed into the broad-based political, diplomatic, economic, uh, and political as well as military relationship we see now. The United States taxpayers are paying 20 percent of the entire Israeli military budget. I think there is one thing we have to keep in mind about this question of a ceasefire. What is most desperately needed right now, what we are hearing from all Palestinians across, across Palestine, across the diaspora, everywhere, is an immediate ceasefire. We have to recognize the U.S. has a history of rejecting ceasefires when there are international calls for a ceasefire when Israel is involved. Mm. This goes back to 2006 in the Lebanon War in cast lead against Gaza in 2008 and 9, in 2014, again in 2021. In each of these instances, when Israel was at war, as they defined it, meaning right. they were attacking Palestinians, there was a call for a ceasefire and the U.S. answer again and again, we don't need a ceasefire yet, meaning right. not enough people have been killed yet. We're facing that same problem now. And the challenge of facing people who are protesting today in Washington, who were out in the streets on Monday, will be again on Friday, is to demand an immediate ceasefire to break that refusal 
to call for a ceasefire on all sides, an immediate ceasefire right now. Khaled, your thoughts? And what's happened, Khaled, to the voices of progressive Democrats in Congress who want the U.S. to take a harder line with Israel over its military assault on Gaza? What's happened to them? Well, I, I think uh, I think those voices have uh, almost entirely been silenced uh, in in large part because of the the initial attack uh, in Israel by Hamas. The the horror of it and the scale of it uh, has has really uh, silenced people who might have otherwise been uh, more critical of of how Israel has conducted itself. Uh, we're starting to see some pushback now. There there are more calls from uh, Democrats. Uh, for for a ceasefire, which uh, seems reasonable, but part of the problem here, it, I mean, this goes beyond the United States. Hmm. Uh, most Western nations have also failed to call for a, a ceasefire. Um, that's different than in the past, where, it, you know, as Phyllis mentioned, it was usually the United States kind of blocking or dragging their feet on a ceasefire, but they were usually alone. Now there is a kind of chorus of of Western powers showing. Um, unrestrained solidarity and support and unconditional uh, uh, endorsement, really, of, of what Israel is doing on the ground in Gaza. And to me, that's even more shocking, uh, because essentially everyone is being ruled by emotions, and there are no, you know, quote-unquote, grown-ups anywhere who, who are able to see the, the, the horrible uh, human costs uh, of, of what's happening, but but even the medium and long-term repercussions of, of serious uh, uh, erosion, if not destruction, of Western credibility uh, as a whole uh, with regard to anything resembling a rules-based order, I think it will be impossible for not only Palestinians, but Arabs, Africans, Latin Americans, Asians, um, ever to take uh, the U.S. or European nations seriously when they talk about human rights or international law or, or mm. any of those things that have been completely thrown out the window in this case. Dalal, your thoughts about this? Uh, as... Yes, go ahead, Phyllis. Go ahead, um, Phyllis, before I bring in Dalal. Just one point on what Khalid was just saying, which I think is so important. Just coming back to the U.S. side, it is important to recognize there has been now a, uh, an official resolution introduced into the Congress calling directly for a ceasefire very carefully framed to not try and win over views of what started it, whose fault, just calling for an immediate ceasefire that now has, I think, 13 uh, co-signers. Mm -hmm. And it reflects the fact that there has been a movement focused on changing the narrative, changing the discourse in this country, which has led to a situation where, as of about two weeks ago, the, the most recent polls were indicating mm -hmm. that 25 percent of American Jews 38% of young Jews believe that Israel is an apartheid state. That's because there's been a movement mobilizing with the press, yeah. with Congress, at the, with the public for 25 years now. And we're seeing that there's a threat to that accomplishment. But right now, I think it still exists. And we're seeing public levels of support for Palestinians even now, mm. despite the incredible levels of terrible press. Yeah, it is true that it would appear that more Americans are warming to the Palestinian cause, according to the latest Gallup poll. Um, Dalal, let me come to you now. Uh, as, uh, yes, Khaled you. Said, yeah, as Khaled said, things go far beyond the U.S., of course, away from the U.S. today. Is there a single country 
that could uh, be a fair broker here, call for a ceasefire that would be respected, agreed to by Israel, and be a fair and honest broker in this conflict? Let's remind the American public that this is an accumulative reflection of their 3.8 billion annual aid of military aid to, the, to, to Israel. The war crimes that are being committed against 2.2 million Palestinian civilians living in a big prison of 365 kilometers, mostly children. You know, I want to also remember uh, and, and ask the Jewish American organizations for their voices. I want to call upon all academics, universities, the Harvard School of Negotiations, scholars. Where are the people who work? for peace studies and conflict resolution. I am a professor of diplomacy. We have failed our students. You know, I have looked into the UN, UN Charter, the international law, the international humanitarian law, the four Geneva Conventions, the Rome Statute. I couldn't find one article that supports waiting for a permission from the occupier to let in humanitarian aid. What is the international community waiting for? Why don't they send drones, send the humanitarian assistance and protection for the Palestinian civilians? Two million Palestinian civilians are being massacred on the screens, and the whole world is watching. Diplomacy had failed humanity. Diplomacy had failed the Palestinian cause. It is time we speak the truth. Please, do not adopt the Israeli narrative anymore. They are misleading the audience. It's about time in 2023 to speak the truth, to tell the stories of the injustices and the endurance of injustices that the Palestinian people have been enduring for 75 years, let alone the 16 years of total deadly blockade on Gaza. It's about time we recognize the Gaza as a human beings. Gaza is Palestine. This is not a war between Israel and Hamas. This is not against Gaza, not against Hamas. This is against the Palestinian right to self-determination. This is a translation of the deal of the century at the expense of the Palestinian blood. This is, again, also part of the electoral process uh, campaigns of Biden and Netanyahu coming in the next year. All right. Khaled, uh, what are your thoughts about what Dalal just said there? She says diplomacy has failed, has it? Is there still room, you think, to, to get a ceasefire here? And is there a country, as I asked aloud, that could step in today and, and uh, uh, take that role of a fair and honest broker in this conflict, which the U.S. has been criticized of not being? Uh, unfortunately, no. I don't see any uh, power that, that could play that role. I mean, but but yes, there there is hope for a a ceasefire. There, there has to be. I mean, obviously, the, the, this uh, this death and destruction can't continue uh, indefinitely. Although it can continue for quite a long time, and and that's why I was saying um, how alarming it is that there aren't any, don't seem to be any reasonable, rational people in the diplomatic world who can see that, who can see the dangers, not just of, you know, certainly at a humanitarian level of of. Uh, uh, the, just given the scale of the attack in, in all forms, and it's very clearly directed at civilians uh, in Gaza. But what really alarms me is the total inability uh, to, to see how this will uh, impact any future process. Um, I don't see any political process happening um, uh, anytime soon. But, but let me make one other point, because uh, I think it's important to, to mention the, the role of Palestinian leadership. You know, one of the things that history tells us, that Palestinian people know this better than anyone else, because of their history, is when they don't have a credible leadership, very bad things happen to Palestinians. Think of 1948. Think of 1967. And I'm sorry to say, right now, part of the problem that we have 
in addition to the abdication of responsibility by the Western world, uh, is the absence of a credible Palestinian leadership that can advocate for Palestinians on the world stage and that can seek, uh, uh, you know, diplomatic opportunities. Uh, yeah. Right now, we have a failed leadership both in Gaza and, I'm afraid to say, in the West Bank. Okay, let me ask Dalal about that before I bring in Phyllis. Uh, Dalal, uh, Khalid says the absence of a fail of a Palestinian leadership has also contributed to the predicament that Palestinians find themselves in today. Well, it's about time we go for our unity. It's about time we go for unification, uh, uh, reconciliation, and to end our division. My my call to the Palestinian leadership of all different political factions is to uni unite now, because this had been a pretext. This has been the fig leaf that has been used against us from the international community. Again, they are looking at us and saying they are not worthy of a Palestinian state. They are not worthy of um, independence and, and recognition. And this is a setback on the internal level that I recognize. However, we need to look at 12 days of of massacres and mm. war crimes of genocide and forced displacement as war crimes which are being treated with total impunity by the international community. 2.2 million Palestinian civilians are suffering under the Israeli fire. And, you know, the company Boeing is an American company. The, the, the military aid of money from the, for the U.S. that is pouring into, into Israel. This is... Again, an international legal coverage for the war crimes that are documented on the screens being perpetrated against the Palestinian people and, and civilians, and this should not be accepted. This should not be tolerated. And this is not only in Gaza. In the past week, we had, we had had more than 60 martyrs in the West Bank. This means that every Palestinian is target. No matter what you believe, no matter your ideology, no matter your color, Israel is targeting every single Palestinian. Israel is waging a war against truth. Whoever, whoever tries to tell the truth about, about Israel and its war crimes is being targeted. Phyllis, your thoughts about what happens yeah. next year? And, and has President Biden given the green light to Israel now to do whatever it wants in uh, I Gaza? I think that whatever, whatever President Biden says, the, the image of his bear hug diplomacy is seen as a green light for Israel to do what it wants, to continue these incredible violations of international law, crimes against humanity that are being committed. I think that we have to be looking for where there might be calls for uh, ceasefire that can come from elsewhere, not from, as Khaled said, not from the U.S., not from the Europeans. Right from now, where? Brazil is chairing. Mm -hmm. Brazil is the, the president of the Security Council. Uh, Dalal, are you hopeful that a ceasefire <laughs> could be reached? in the next few days? I, I hope so. However, <clears throat> it is really sad that while we are waiting for a ceasefire and that we are waiting for action, a diplomatic action, millions of Palestinians are perishing and women and children are deprived from water, from milk, from medicine. The hospitals, the doctors are operating in the hallways without electricity and without anesthesia. We are witnessing a human historic catastrophe, which is documented on the screen. And let us be clear, yesterday's hospital is an Anglican hospital, and King Charles is, a, that is the head of the Anglican church. What did he do? We need to hear it from the UK. We need to hear it from the US. We need to hear it from every leader. It is not OK that hospitals are being targeted, that people are being evicted, and work crimes are being documented while everybody is watching. Humanity is at risk, and we have all failed humanity. It's about time we see Palestinians as human beings. Thank you all. Thank you to all three of you for a great discussion. Dalal, Erika, Khaled El-Gindi, and Phyllis Benis. Thank you for joining us on Inside Story.
This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Fintan Monaghan, Fungi Nguyen, and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Yara Atala. The program was edited by Romel Asuncion, Zena Badar, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Thursday for our next edition. Coming up on The Take, evacuation or displacement? We break down Israel's order to 1.1 million people in northern Gaza, what it means for them and for international law. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.